Hey, this is Ed Luther, pastor of City Church in Australia. I hope that today's podcast really inspires you. Thank you so much for listening. You know, what's amazing is that all relationships start somewhere. If you think about it, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? When you think about people that you would call friends in life, it all started with a meeting, maybe you'd say it was a chance meeting, a hi, a hello, whatever it was, perhaps the person you're married to. You can remember when your eyes met for that very eventful first time. But everything starts with, with uh, a greeting or uh, a first encounter. And we might call that a first impression. Uh, first impressions are lasting impressions, but they're not always accurate impressions. Sometimes first impressions are wrong impressions. I don't know if you've ever met somebody and thought something about them, only to get to know them and find out, you know what? You're nothing like I thought you were like. You're a really nice person. I thought you were really rude when, when we first met. Uh, sometimes it goes the other way, but oftentimes not. They say that you can't uh, judge a book by its cover. And I, I encourage us to build relationships with people and read the book. Don't just look at the cover of the book, but get to know the person. Get, get beyond, beyond the outward appearance. Sometimes I've had people, and probably you have too, that were rude on the first uh, encounter. And it's like, ah, oh, they might have said something that was offensive. It could have been they were just nervous. Because, I mean, you know, to meet me, pretty intimidating thing. And, and uh, it's a joke. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes that's the way it goes. But we, uh, uh, sometimes people remind us of somebody else. I don't know if you've ever had that happen. You think, oh, you remind me of that person that I really, really don't like. Maybe it was that bully that beat you up at school or something like that. So it's an immediate off on the wrong foot. But once you get to know somebody, it's often uh, a, t a totally different thing. And it's no different when it comes to church people. There's challenges in every relationship. Church is no different. And we're going to go there this morning. In fact, I've called uh, this morning's message, I've called it, um, isn't it time we get along? And you can put a question mark on the end of that or an explanation mark. I put that explanation mark on there. But it poses a question, but it's also something I think needs to be said with a little bit of uh, explanation. Isn't it time? We get along. I find that one of the things that turns people off about church and churches in general, not really this church, I might say proudly, is that there's often like, you know, they say politics, uh, you know, church politics, and people getting offside and getting their nose uh, up, up somebody else's nose and getting their nose out of joint, all, all of these things. What did I say? I was thinking about the nose. <laughs> I think getting up the nose or the nose out of joint. Both apply. <laughs> and and it's, it's such a turnoff. But yet, in any relationship that we have, whether it's secular in life, out in business world, uh, family, 
There's always going to be people that get up your nose, and there's also going to be people that get their nose out of joint, which could include you or me. It's really, really important to realize that. And one of the things that I realize about church life and when we're talking about isn't it time that we get along, whether that's a question or just an explanation, ex- exclamation, uh, either way you cut it, we have to realize that it's a normal part of life to quarrel or to get in a fight. Moses at once, one time in, uh, it's in, in the book of Acts, we'll just go there, I think it's Acts chapter 7, and, uh, and Moses is called to lead these people out of Egypt, the whole nation, and it says the next day, verse 26, Moses came upon two Israelites, fellow brothers of his, who were fighting. In other words, there was a family fight going on. And he tried to reconcile them. That was his, his goal, his reconciliation. It should be all of our goals. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you're brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? Now, I have uh, two brothers, and frequently we wanted to hurt each other. We wanted to kill each other. It was just part of what brothers do. Sisters, same deal. I think women fight, girls fight even dirtier than the men. There's, there's nothing off limit. If we used to call them cat fights when I was in high school. There's, there's fingernails, you know, growing out for a purpose. And <laughs> pulling of hair. Things that, you know, us men just wouldn't do. Oh, you sissy. Like, what are you doing? Pulling hair. Pulling hair. Like, girls, now it's, it's all on. They just go, well, in my high school anyway all out. And if if two girls were getting into it, it was like the crowd just gathered very quickly. It's like, we want to witness this. This is going to be carnage. But he encounters two brothers. They're fighting. He says, aren't we brothers? Like, come on, guys. But to not expect family to fight, I think, is an unrealized expectation, quite frankly. (laughs) And it can lead to something good. There's a positive outcome, generally speaking, when we would, whenever we would fight, my brothers and myself, uh, there'd be a big makeup session at the end of that, and we'd hug. And we were just thick as thieves at the end of that. And one thing about my brothers, in fact, my family, uh, we'd fight each other, but if you touch one of them, then, then we're into you. I don't know if you grew up, we had seven kids in total with stepbrothers, sisters, halves, the whole deal. We, we had real, we had, we had everything going down, uh, but we were still thick. In my first encounter with my brother Dan, who's actually my stepbrother, who lives in Dallas, uh, you know, he was like, I think he might have been 10, and I was the elder. I was 12, I think it was, when we first met, and he, he was telling me about this bully. The guy's name was Jim Wilson. I still remember his name. <laughs> He pointed him out, so I went and beat the guy up. Forever a hero with my brother Dan. Forever a hero. I mean, granted, the, the kid was two years old, Jim. No, only kidding. <laughs> but uh, but it, was, it was just expected for family to fight. And I think in church life, we're family. We're, we're, we're not just friends. We have the same father, our father, who art in heaven, we're called brothers and sisters. I think it's a bit religious to call each other brother and sister. I'd, I'd like to know your name, thank you. Uh, but, you know, whatever works. 
if you're uh, <laughs> outside of the church, you don't know somebody's name. Well, it's Meg. Hey, Meg. How you going, mate? It's like, I don't know your name. So in America, it's buddy. Hey, buddy. How you going, buddy? It means I don't know your name. Or I'd call you by name. In church, in Christian uh, life, it's brother. <laughs> it's like, no, it's Ed. Thank you. And I want to know your name. But we're brothers and sisters. We're family. And families fight. It's just what they do. Often, some, some of them, and you might be in one that doesn't at all, I don't know, but uh, chances are it, it's, uh, it's just normal for us to fight. It says this in Proverbs 17, 17, it says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. It's like, that's what your brother was born for, to give you a hard time. But yet strength comes through, through resistance. I occasionally go to the gym, and, and the thing about the gym, that one of the machines there, which, which I tried to use the other day, but I kind of didn't work it out, all the buttons and everything else. It's called a step-up. It's like climbing stairs, and you get on that thing, and you know it's really good for your legs. It'll strengthen all your leg muscles and everything else, and cardio, I guess, as well. You know, but, uh, but, but resistance is what builds muscle. And it's resistance, sometimes that resistance comes with people that love you, people that have your best interest at heart. Sometimes they don't, you just have a disagreement, but that resistance works for your benefit. So use the resistance that comes from family to make you stronger, because you only grow up when you step up, like that machine. That's how you grow up. So where do quarrels and... Um, Fighting come from? Glad you asked. We're going to go there in James chapter 4. And it says this James, one of Jesus' disciples, he says this What causes fights and quarrels among you? It's a good question, isn't it? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? One of the things I've noticed about quarrelsome people or people uh, that we would probably just in current vernacular say finger pointers. You know, I, I don't know if you've ever met a finger pointer. Uh, somebody said once, whenever you point your finger, there's three pointing back at you. Preachers are really good at this. They'll get up on their high horse and they'll start pointing the finger. Uh, sometimes they'll name and shame people, other pastors, churches, movements, whatever. And, and it's kind of saying, hey, you know, we're better than you. And so they'll start point, pointing the finger. The Pharisees that Jesus encountered, the religious people, were just always pointing fingers. And, and, and today's no different. But one of the things that I've noticed is that generally speaking, whatever it is that, we've, that we're pointing our finger at somebody else, it's because we see that in us and we don't like it. It's usually the thing that is touching on, on, on a nerve. I, I could name prominent preachers that right before they were exposed for what they were involved in, they were busy pointing out the very same thing in some other preacher on television or somebody down the road. It's kind of a sign of, you got something going on there. You're attacking. And usually when you attack and you see something that you want to attack in, in someone else, your brother in Christ, it, it's because 
that's the very thing that you, you're dealing with. You might remember David when he was having an affair with Bathsheba. And he, he has her husband sent to the front line and in the heat of the battle and killed. So he, he murdered. He was, he was an adulterer and murder. He was guilty. And then the prophet comes up to him and tells him this parable about this, this farmer that had, you know, one little ewe lamb and, and this mean person that took the thing and killed it. And, and, he, and he said, what do you think should be done? He asked David, what do you think should be done uh, of that, that person that did that? He should be killed. He should be, you know, this is really bad and everything else. And then the prophet goes, well, you're the man. And, and James says that, he says, what causes fights and quarrels? They, don't they come from your desires, the battle within you? That's hard, isn't it, to look within? It's really hard when we're quarrelsome or we're in a fight, we're going to get our, you know, I'm right. Why don't you just look within and say, why are you doing this anyway? He says, verse 2, you desire, but do not have, and so you kill. Now, they might not murder as in actually physically kill somebody, but Jesus says this, he goes way beyond what the law says, thou shalt not uh, murder, way beyond that. He says, if you hate your brother, if, if, if you've got that intent, you've done it. It's, it's, it's the intent of the heart, not just the deed. So if you look at a woman to lust after, you've, you've already committed it in your heart. You've committed adultery. It's not just the physical outward act. It's what's going on on the inside. It's, it's, it's getting on the inside of your heart. And, and James says, you, you you desire, you don't have, so you kill. All, all the wars that we see going on in the world today, and the world is not getting a better place, and people are going to sing kumbaya, hold hands, and you know, sway back and forth with every uh, celebrity. You know, we are the world. Well, good luck. How's it working? Not real good. Because these are, these are matters of the heart. And that's why we worship Jesus, and that's why his name is a cuss word, and people don't like it. That's why you can talk about practically any, any other religion, but as soon as you start talking Christianity or Jesus, the room gets quiet. Everybody gets uncomfortable. Well, why is that? Because he nails, he, he, he gets to the heart of the matter. It's what's, what's in your heart. Out of the abundance, he says, of your heart, then your mouth speaks. It's what's flowing out of a man. Not, not what the man's eating that defiles the man. It's what's coming out of the person. That's what defiles the person, Jesus says. And we don't like it when somebody touches the heart of the matter. When, when, when people get real, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. But the, 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 God has a way of just getting his finger on the truth of the matter. We get nailed. And when you're fighting with somebody, maybe you're having an argument and, 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 you know, you're right, I'm right. I just know I'm right in this matter. And then you find out that you're wrong. Isn't it hard to backtrack and go, hey, apologies, <laughs> I was wrong. You're right. That's a good point. I received that. Because something in, uh, something in us called pride just doesn't want to bow the knee to that and say, well, you know what, I think there's something in that, and uh, I think you might be right on that matter. It takes a bigger person to be humble. 
You don't have because you, you, you desire it. You can't have it. You covet, it says, because you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. All my brothers and sisters and our fights within the family, they were all about that. Whether it was in the back of the car wanting one more inch of space and they're taking it and we're pushing each other until, you know, dad gets frustrated and has to pull over or, or whether it's dessert or food or, or, or a gift, Christmas time, whatever it is. Whatever we're fighting about, it really is because you can't get what you want. Even countries and adults and armies go to war. All over this, because you cannot have what you want, so you quarrel and fight. But you do not have because you don't ask God. Isn't it wonderful that one of the great things that we get to do as believers in the body of Christ is to go to God with whatever it is? I love that. that I'm not, I don't have to choke you to get my desires met. I don't have to rip you off so that I can have my needs met financially, so I'm going to steal from you. I, I don't need to steal your food to get fed. I, I don't need to steal your spouse. I, there's nothing that you have that, that I need that much that I'm going to harm you for it. Because I can go to God. I can say, well, God, I need more money. I, I've, I've got to pay my bills. God will drop wisdom. He'll drop an idea. One idea can make you rich, rich enough to give to every cause and to help meet somebody else's need. Just one idea. You're sitting on an idea. Somebody had the idea, we're, we're tired of sitting on the ground, getting our butt wet or whatever, or dirty, and so somebody invented the chair. Somebody got tired of, uh, of reading by candlelight. Well, even before that, by reading under the stars of the moon or when it was daylight out, somebody invented the candle, somebody else went further and invented the light bulb. And everything that we have started with an idea. But before that, it was a problem. Somebody identified a problem, somebody else got rich solving the problem. Whereas somebody else goes to prison because they're ripping somebody else off, choking them, trying to get them to meet the need or the problem, when God says, hey, go to me. I love reading biographies, and one of my favorite people is a guy named Graham Clark. You might not know him, but he's an Australian inventor. He invented the cochlear ear implant. In an article I read from Graham Clark, a committed Christian, where'd you get that idea? He says, in prayer. God just dropped it in, the solution to it. And he's on right now solving quadriplegia and, and paraplegics. He's, he's solving uh, spinal fusion to help people that are paralyzed, some from the neck down. What a hero. But he wasn't going around choking people, trying to get his need met and trying to get all of his desires you know, out of somebody else. He just went to God. We have within us divinity. God himself says, I'll live in your heart. I mean, that is just like a mind-blowing marvelous. It's beyond marvelous. To me, when I heard that, I went, you, what? Well, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, so I had no idea of what we just take for granted now. That you can actually pray to a God that listens, that hears you, 
that you don't need to choke your brother to try to get things met, that you can go to God and through divine inspiration, God will use your imagination, that God will saturate your mind with pictures and thoughts on solving solutions and and generosity towards people and meeting needs and and the message of of, uh, called the gospel, which means good news. It's more than good news. It's great news. That is just the most awesome thing that I'd, I'd ever put, you know, come across. And most of us sit there, take it for granted, and don't even use the, the power that we have at our disposal and get religious about it and start fighting over stupid stuff when there's a whole world out there that desperately needs solutions And God said, well, I'll give you solutions when you come to me as your source and quit looking at people to solve all of your needs. And he says this, he says, you don't have because you don't ask God, James says. And then when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend it, you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Well, that's a whole other message, but... I like to think of wealth in particular as a weapon, and it's a weapon of mass salvation, not mass destruction. (laughs) But think of the hospitals that get to get built, the education facilities, all of the things that get solved when we go to God. But here's the thing. You can't fight your brother and win your battles. All of us are in a battle or a fight for something. It's called mission, and, and, and the church has a mission. We're to go out there, raising generations, reaching nations. And we've planted churches in Russia. Uh, we've planted uh, churches overseas in the past. We've, we've uh, put a counseling center in a place called Beslan, Russia, where, where terrorists blew up a school on, on the first day of school and, and killed roughly 400 people. Because God's called us to be the answer, not the problem. But when, when we went there, and this is some years ago now, we raised about 10 grand, which was a lot of money back, back in that day for, for our church anyway. Went there, saw people get saved. It was just an incredible time. And afterwards, after the meeting, I mean, I don't know, 20-something younger people mainly came to the altar and gave their heart to the Lord. I was so blessed. I was riding on a high. The next morning, we were to baptize. And you might notice this tank here because we're having a baptism this morning. And the next morning, we went to baptize. And these people came. They showed up to get baptized, these young people. But the religious people showed up, dressed in their black garment all the way from head to toe. And they argued. They argued about who qualifies to get baptized. They forgot about Philip and the Ethiopian. The Ethiopian heard about baptism. He's riding in the chariot with Philip, sees the water, goes, hey, is there anything stopping me from getting baptized? He didn't have a PhD in baptism. He didn't have his theology degree. Philip just says, stop the chariot right now. Took the guy, he got baptized. And they're arguing about this. I don't think women should be allowed to be baptized if they're not covered. Oh, 
No, they need about six months' worth of education before we baptize them. We'll tell that to Philip. And they argued and argued and argued, and pretty soon the, the poor people that had heard a life-changing message about how good God is were weeping. I had to catch a flight. And you know, we didn't baptize one of them, not one. And I thought to myself, as bad as it was what the terrorists did, the Chechnyans had blown up that school, horrific. But this was bad, too, in a different way. The quarrelsome fighting, the pathetic state of religion. And when you take it to the real reason why people don't want to go to church, if you, if you just put it down, it isn't that they wouldn't say that they love God. Some love God desperately. But they just don't like the organized religion, the do's, the don'ts, the finger pointing, the quarreling that goes on. They don't like the political side of it all. I don't either, and I know that you don't. So they give it a wide berth. Whereas God has called us as a family, as a church, whichever metaphor that you want to use about the church, his body, his bride, he's called us to get together and get along. Drop the stones, drop the rocks, forget about pathetic little arguments that don't go anywhere because you're not going to be able to fight the battles, the real battles, the, the real problems that need to be solved in this world. That if you're not aware of it, you probably, I don't know, you must be hiding under a rock somewhere because there are desperate people out there in this world that need a life-changing message and a heart transplant, and who's going to bring it to them if it's not God's body or God's people? But you can't fight your brother and fight those battles at the same time. In 1 Samuel, we're not going to go there, in uh, chapter 19, David is King Saul's best friend, but King Saul's jealous and he doesn't know it. And young David is playing a harp or a stringed instrument, it says. And, and this evil spirit comes upon Saul. He's the king. David's been fighting Saul's Battles. David has been protecting Saul, but Saul does nothing but turn on David with this, this evil. And then he takes a spear and he decides, I'm just going to kill. I hate, I hate him so much because all he does is sing songs about God. Talks about how much he loves God. He's a man after God's own heart. And so King Saul takes his spear and thrusts it at David. It says, David ducks. The spear lands in the wall. Now here's an opportunity for David if there ever was an opportunity. See, David isn't just a worshiper. He's a warrior. He has the ability now to turn around, grab the spear out of the wall, and he's not going to miss if he wants to kill Saul, Saul is a dead man. But here's the thing. David keeps his hand on the harp. He, he, he keeps his hand worshiping God, and he doesn't use that hand, doesn't take that hand off of there to grab that spear to run the enemy through. To, he sees the real enemy, and he refuses to see King Saul as the enemy. He honors him even when... The man doesn't deserve any honor. I don't know if it was me. 
I think I'd take that spear. I think I'd say, you know what? We're just going to take a break from the worship service for a moment. I'm going to take my hand off the keyboard, and I'm going to go over there. I'm going to get that spear, and I'm going to take that spear, and I'm going to put it where it belongs, and I'm going to eliminate this, man, this evil person that's trying to kill me. But he operates in a whole different spirit. And for a church to operate in harmony and love, you've got to be in a whole different spirit. The Bible says the spirit of peace. To walk, to walk in peace towards your brother. And not to just always be trying to get your way and to quarrel and fight about stupid things usually, to be honest. It takes walking in the spirit of God because you can't, I don't have the luxury to quarrel with people. I just don't have the, the time. And I, and I realize that, that uh, generally speaking, people are, are far more interested in just getting the promises or getting their, their desires, which are usually just selfishness, to be honest. Whereas if we, would, if we would understand that God wants us to believe, but he wants us to believe for hurting people, people that are hungry to be fed, for people that don't know the gospel, for people that are bound and trapped and, and, and all kinds of things. I was reading about a young girl that finally made her way out of North Korea, and she was being interviewed uh, by Joe Rogan. And uh, I'm not advocating that you all listen to Joe Rogan, so don't throw stones at me, but sometimes he interviews some pretty cool people. And He's interviewing this, this girl from North Korea. It is really hard to get out of North Korea. You've got to either go south into South Korea, but they've got an army the whole way that will kill you trying to get from North Korea into South Korea. Not, not, not likely you're going to get out of there. Or you can try to chance it by sea. You could try to go across the Sea of Japan over to Japan, and probably if you had a, a, a big boat, maybe you'd make it, but most people aren't going to make it with a little life raft. And this, this girl's with her mother. She's 13, and her mother decides, I've had enough uh, of this whole terrible regime called North Korea. So she try, they try to go into China, I think it was. They try to get across the border. They get captured, the mother gets sold, she gets raped and she gets sold, the daughter, 13, same kind of a deal. And uh, by a miracle, just a flat out miracle, she gets rescued and she makes her way eventually to, to, to the US. But she was talking about how horrific that it was in North Korea. And I, I, I don't want to go graphic here, but um, will I or won't I? There's kids here. I'm not going to go that graphic. They had to collect about a ton of, of poop. Every citizen has to collect that much for fertilizer to fertilize the crops. So everything that they do is in doo-doo. <laughs> it goes into a, some kind of a container or something. I mean, that just sounds bizarre. Doesn't it just sound like you're kidding? No, not kidding at all. The things that they have to do. And she was just with tears talking about this. And, and you know, my heart broke. And I, we've, we've made trips into Vietnam. And we've, you know, we've uh, 
uh, put into it for a Bible school at a pepper plantation years ago and preached over there. It's, it's terrible. North Korea is kind of next level. They say if the Nazi Germany, if it would have uh, existed beyond World War II, that it would be virtually what North Korea is. That's just horrific. People are bound all over the planet like that. They need to be set free. And Jesus said, I came for, to set the captive free. And he needs an army of people that are so busy getting on about the Great Commission, the common mission that we have, that, that, that we don't have time. I, I don't have time to quarrel with you and fight over stupid things because there's a, is there not a cause? David said, is there not a cause? Is there not something bigger than, than our pathetic little differences to quarrel about? Isn't there, isn't there a real enemy to fight with? The answer, I, I believe, is yes. But people are often just interested in ease and, and, and the promises, and they, they forget that the process is what's shaping you. And, and yes, the promises of God are yes and amen, but you've got to do those step-ups. You've, you've, you have to have some resistance in your life to overcome that resistance and to get on and take the spear toward the real enemy and, and, and get on with the mission that God has called his church into. And it's not to fight. It's not politics, that's for sure. It's not little pathetic arguments. It's a process that, that, that grows strong people to go out into a big world full of strong, real big problems and solve those problems and love people regardless. But there's often pain along the way. Now, not all of us can walk with everybody all the time. Now, our value statement is we walk together even when it hurts. So it sounds a little bit like, aren't you backtracking or are you going against what you've said? No. There are certain times where God will call you on a path for, for a mission. But not everybody's ready to go on that particular path at that particular time with you. You don't fight about it, but you know where I'm going right now, you can't go. And in Acts chapter uh, 15, and we'll land with this, but sometime later it says, Paul, verse 36, said to Barnabas, Barnabas is son of encouragement. But Barnabas is one of those guys that just loves everybody. He's just saying, you want encouragement? Go to Barnabas. You want some direction and, and uh, somebody's going to kick some gates down? It's Paul. Paul and Barnabas, personality types, they don't go together. And I, I can imagine Paul, like, with Barnabas. <laughs> what, a, what a combination. But that's what happens in church life. You get, you get walking with people that are so different than you. And understanding those differences is really important. So sometimes, late, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. You mean like in Ephesus where they tried to kill us because we said that your goddess Diana isn't even a goddess, that she's not real? You mean uh, all those places where they, they, they locked us up and, and, and tried, to, tried to cut our heads off? You mean all those places? You want to go back to all those places? Yeah, let's go. Let's go on a missions trip. Verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him. Not on this trip. Maybe on another one, but not, you're not going to go with me on this one. 
because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. He cut, John Mark did, and he run. When the, when the going got tough, he, he wasn't there. So they're about to go on something that's going to be as tough. And, and, and Paul says, no, Barnabas, Mr. Encourager. Oh, but, but John Mark's going to be devastated if, if we don't take him with us. He, he's going to cry. He's not coming. Do you understand that? No. Verse 39. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. <laughs> this is the Apostle Paul, St. Paul, and the encourager. They had such a sharp disagreement. In other words, they had a blue. They had an argument. They, had, they butted heads over this one. They parted company. Barnabas took Mark, sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of God, he went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. See, Silas was the man John Mark wasn't, not for this mission. But I love it because some years later, time passes, John Mark matures in 2 Timothy 4.11. Paul said this. He says, only Luke is with me. And Paul says, go get Mark. Bring him with you because he is helpful. Not hurtful. He is helpful to me in my ministry. Church, I just want to give us a challenge for us to look past differences and see potential in people. For us to even look past the hurts and the disappointments and realize, well, the person that hurts you, that disappointed you, they're on a journey too. They probably weren't up for the walk or the path that you were on, but the process is actually working and they're getting stronger and they're growing in their faith. Give them some space. We don't need to quarrel. We don't need to fight over these things. We, we can't have our hand on the spear trying to kill our brother and, and our, our hand on the sword trying to win a battle that we really do need to win. We can't do both. So why don't we just get along? Can't we just get along? And in getting along, get along and get on with the mission that God's given the church so that the world will know God loves them and we love them because we're their best friends solving problems, not being the problem. Amen? I'd like us all to stand. Uh, that's the introduction to the message that will continue next week. <laughs> I love being at the same church instead of travel. You travel, you got to you got to unload the whole thing and then you're gone. Uh, but when you're here, it's like, uh, no, we'll pick it up next week to be continued. And uh, I want to pray for you. And then we're going to ask the people to come up that want to be baptized. I'll talk a little bit about that. Just before I do, um, there's a yellow card that I'd love for you to fill out, take it with you, fill it out. Uh, it just lets us know any, any way that we can help you. So help us help you by filling the yellow card out if you want to. So there's boxes there you can tick for dinner party. If you're not attending uh, a dinner party, great chance to meet some friends. 
uh, if you want to be water baptized at some stage, if you've made City Church your home church, we'd love to know, and uh, just so we can help you. And uh, so that yellow card is the way that we can get in contact uh, with you. So right on there, if you want prayer for something as well, that would be awesome. Right now, I just want to pray for you. And, and look, uh, you might be watching online or you're here and you don't know Jesus. He's knocking at your heart, but he's a gentleman. He doesn't kick the door down of your heart. You have to open the door. And when you do that, you'll find something amazing happens. You'll have fellowship with him. He'll be uh, your imaginary friend because he uses your imagination. <laughs> and he'll fill your thought life with things you'll go, where did that come from? Well, it's amazing. <laughs> He'll speak to you. Not audibly, generally, like we're talking. Too slow. He'll just dump something amazing that would take about 50 years to communicate verbally. It's a great process. And he's wanting for you to open the door. So if that's you, we're going to pray right now. Between you and God, you can close your eyes if you want, bow your head if you want to. Uh, it's between you and God, but I'm going to pray this prayer. If you'd like to pray it after me, then by all means, uh, you can ask Jesus Christ into your heart. So say this after me. Say, Dear God, I thank you for loving me so much that you came into my world. Jesus, I ask you into my heart. I give you my life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the City Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message or God worked through you in any way, then please take a moment to contact us through our website at city-church.net or email us your feedback at info at city-church.net.